You're listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Rose. How's it going? Pretty good. How's your October been? Oh, wow. It's been insane. So much goodness has come out, and I've been so busy with some other things. And I actually managed to read a couple of books this month. Oh, how fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, with it being the, you know, Halloween, Samhain, everyone thing and everyone doing witchy things, I totally get that. And your time just yeah. seems to slip away because you're doing all the stuff because this is our month and it's all in preparation for the Big Bang at the end of the month, if you will, or Gee. depending on how you do it, dark moon to dark moon or whatever your particular flavor of celebration is. But yeah, I was going to say there was this really awesome book that came across at least my desk and I'm pretty sure yours from a really wonderful person that we both know. So I thought maybe we could chat with them and uh, find out if they would talk with us about this book. What do you think? I think that'd be great. Just so we're on the, the same page, right? We're talking about the one with all those charts. Oh my God, yes. So many amazing charts. All of the correspondence that you could want to correspond. Oh my God. I mean, there's stuff in that book that I didn't even realize was out there. Right. There's, it's amazing how much is out there. Exactly. Well, let's, let's be specific. We're going to talk with T. Susan Chang about her newest book called Tarot Correspondences, Ancient Secrets for Everyday Readers. And it includes over a 100 essential tables and charts. Yes, I'm reading it off the cover, folks. But that's the whole point is it's amazingly thick. And it's okay. It's how many pages? 383 pages plus. And it includes everything you could possibly want plus bibliography plus references so it's you thought of it susan knows where the chart is i mean astrology tree of life everything so we're gonna chat with her right now hi susan hi guys thanks for having me on so good to see you good to see you too so yeah well let's jump in with the easy easy question can you tell us a little about yourself okay um you said that was easy? <laughs> well, hey, it's the easiest question, I think, to get people started. Yeah. So I guess I live in New England. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll tell you a little bit about what I do. I'm married with two kids and a variable number of chickens. I have about eight jobs. So oh. nothing is easy. Everything is complicated, right? Okay. <laughs> I teach writing at Smith College uh, to undergraduates. I teach food writing to graduate students in an MFA program at Bay Path. I do food writing, cookbook reviews. Mm. And then the rest of my businesses are mostly tarot-related businesses. Mm -hmm. So I have the Etsy shop, which mm -hmm. where I sell Arcana cases. I have Fortune's Wheelhouse podcast, which I co-host with Mel Moline. Mm -hmm. um, we're going card by card in that. There's books. I occasionally write books. <laughs> and then I, the latest thing which I don't even know if I ever told you guys about, is I have launched an online tarot class. Oh, so that was ooh. literally like the same week the book came out. Nice. So awesome. Yeah. is wonderful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, things are busy, but good. Okay, very so good, I guess yeah. that would lead us into when did you first find tarot and what was your very first deck? I was one of those people who was like super repressed about everything as a young person. And 
I guess my first exposure to tarot was in college. Mm. I had a next door roommate who had a tarot deck. And I was like, oh, my God, you have a tarot deck? How would you memorize all those meanings? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like you do. It was, it, it was like completely intimidating, right? And I was like, well, I'm so psyched for you that you can do that. And I would never do that. And, you know, I would like sort of casually sidle by hoping to get a reading like every week or so. But, mm-hmm. you know, like people do. Yeah. But that like sort of planted the seed. And then I graduated in 1990 and went out into the world. Mm-hmm. I came back to New York because that's where I'm from. And I started trying everything, everything that I had never dared to do. Okay. So I started ballroom dancing. I learned the alto saxophone. And I said, screw it. I'm getting a tarot deck. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing that was happening right then was that I was working in academic publishing. I was a literary studies editor for 10 years for various British university presses. And God, man, that is like life from the neck up only. So it was like grad school, but Mm -hmm. getting paid. And I felt like some days there was nothing going on, but everything in here, you know, my head was becoming separate from my body like a balloon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I began to feel like I needed to pull myself back together. And that's what tarot did for me. Tarot pulled me back together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my first deck was, I bought it uh, in May of 1997, I think. I mm-hmm. looked it up the other day, and it was a Rider Waite Smith deck from the Barnes and Noble. That was it, you know? You know, <laughs> everyone goes back to that one. and Or, you know, that's, 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 that's yeah. our sweet beginner love for that deck. It's still my love. A lot of people harsh on Rider Waite Smith and... I don't because I really believe that it provides such a great entry point for so many people Mm -hmm. and it still has more to give the more you learn about it because there's a lot encoded in there that you don't even see Mm -hmm. until you study it and it never ends either. So, I mean, even though I really like Thoth deck, you know, I know it now and I love Tabula Mundi, obviously, Mel Moline's deck. That's Mm -hmm. one of my absolute favorites. I like Marseille decks. I like it all. But, you know, I I really do appreciate Rider Wade Smith for all the reasons we all do. Indeed. So I first met you through your tarot cases. I remember stumbling upon your site on Etsy. And don't worry, listeners, we'll have the link in our show notes. And then I met you at Reader Studio, what, two years ago in 2017, I believe it was. So then we chatted and whatnot. How did you get started on sewing cases? I mean, these, you need to check out these cases. They're amazing. They are like a fabric tuck box for the cards. And they last a long time. I actually purchased the pattern because I wanted to learn how to sew and I'm <laughs> it's not the easiest pattern. It's an incredibly difficult pattern. You have to be kind of insane. Yeah. Well no, you have to here's the thing about it. You have to have an engineer's brain. I couldn't figure it out. Su- Susie actually sends a wonderful video step by step tutorial. It's a 45 minute video. <laughs> it, it, yeah, 45 minute step by step. My partner broke it down and put it into an Excel spreadsheet, like with minutes. <laughs> oh my and stuff God. To, to you guys are great. Down. However, I, I haven't been able to really sew one by myself yet, but Kendra can. Kendra oh. can. Really? So yeah. yeah, my partner, because they're an engineer, they have that right brain thing. And here's what I'm trying to get out. I mean, how did you start sewing them? Because you seem to be one of those rare personalities that can blend right <laughs> brain and left brain into a whole package. <laughs> yes. 
So. Yeah, well, uh, the astrologers would say it's a Virgo Pisces thing. Virgo, uh, Virgo Sun, Pisces Rising, right? Mm-hmm. So I had been like tarot closet for many, many years. And then I discovered the tarot professionals group in 2015. And I got to be really good friends with a guy there uh, named Peter Stewart. And we would talk every day about tarot. And one of the things we talked about was like boxes and cases and stuff like that. And it's like, you know what? I sew and I don't like drawstrings. I hate drawstrings, you know, and they come open in your purse and stuff falls out. <laughs> like, surely you could do, how hard could this be? And this is like, right? This is like the doom <laughs> of, this is like my karma that I always ask, how hard could it be? And it's always really, really hard. But I have no, I ha- I'm ignorant of that. I'm, mm-hmm. I have no sense of that. I have no feeling for it. I'm tone deaf to how hard things are. So, <laughs> so I decided to try. And, you know, I probably went through like 10 prototypes. I was just obsessed. It was winter, you know, snow days in New England, couldn't go anywhere. So I just like sewed stuff. And I thought, you know, if you if you have enough friction, if if it's tightly fitted enough, then it's not going to open. Mm-hmm. And I decided probably the best way to do it would be a cigarette case, cigarette mm-hmm. box type thing with a flip top. So the question was just, how do you do that in fabric? Yeah, so I just messed with it for days and days and days and weeks and weeks until the thing came out. So yeah, and I just wanted something I could use. And I didn't even really think about marketing it. But then when I started posting about it, you know how these things happen. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then I realized I could use pretty much any beautiful fabric I wanted. And, you know, you fall in love with silk and brocade and beautiful things. And then you want to match your deck to the fabric. And, you know, it's it's absolutely nuts. (laughs) Oh, yeah. um, And I'm constantly refining it, too. I just came up with a new design for a box. You're going to love this. I have one here, actually. So this is different. I have this model of box called a bifold box where Uh you guys have seen it. It, like, holds two decks, sort of like a book. It opens up like a book, Uh and then you can pull from either side. Well, I said to myself, what if you opened the case like that, but you only had a lid on one side? Uh So I did that, and then I thought, what if it could be magnetic? Magnetic. Oh, what if it could be magnetic? So I actually went into an old date book and I stripped out the neodymium magnets and I was like, I'm going to try to do this. So this is like my new thing that I'm like playing with. So it's really cool. You can turn it upside down, whatever. It's magnetically clipped together and then it has this cool lid and then you can easily drop it. And it's in my fabric. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yes, it's in the fabric that you made me one in that red fabric. Yeah, this is, and that is no longer even available. This is the last piece of it. So, you know, but there's more beautiful ones out there. Oh, yes, year. definitely, definitely. Oh, yes. But yeah, they're, they're, they're fantastic. I mean, like you, I never liked the drawstring cases, even though those are definitely easier to make because mm-hmm. I can make a ton of those. Yeah. But when you're yeah. putting them on the shelf, they're so hard to keep and organize right. with the drawstrings and everywhere. And that's yeah. the beauty of your cases, the fact that you totally took your passion for tarot, you married it with another thing you can do brilliantly, the sewing, and you figured out how to make fabric tuck boxes, which are just yeah, I'm in love with it. I mean, that's the reason why I had to buy the case because I have like I had I think at the time 10 decks. So I was like, hey, no, I shouldn't <laughs> bother Susie about this. I don't want her to make 10 decks. You know, I should learn how to do this myself because I'm going to be buying more and all that. So that's <laughs> why I bought the patterns because I have a bazillion decks. And now my poor partner's like, 
I don't want to make another one. I'd like to try clothes <laughs> or, you know, something else. And I'm like, make all my cases. <laughs> yeah, I know. I sometimes feel like that, you know, they they take 90 minutes to make on a good day. So they're not easy. But, um, yeah, it takes but, yeah. us about four hours, three to four hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but hopefully it lasts for a long time. Yeah. Yes. So basically what I'm hearing right now is folks go to the Etsy site. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying because I I'm I am certain that Susie puts a little bit of magic in each one of them because I love mine it it is protective of my wonderful everyday witches tro deck and it doesn't fall out it's it's great so I'm looking forward to the next one to see what what will go into that beauty yeah, and you know what, people, I have lots of regular longtime customers who will even like send me fabric, you know. Mm-hmm. And Jamie did that at one point too. Yes. If you don't like what you see out there, you can always send fabric. Love to work with people. See, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into the big part of it all. <laughs> all right. So then I guess the question is, so you went from using your engineer mind and your scholastic brain to tarot correspondence. Why? <laughs> okay. So I think it probably has its origin, well, partly in the podcast and partly in this ridiculous spreadsheet I've been keeping for three years now. Mm-hmm. So I have this ridiculous Excel spreadsheet. And it's not just a lot of people track their cards, which is great. We should yes. all do that. But I was thinking, okay, let's see what Excel can do. I took the information in the chart, I started having it automatically color code by element, I thought that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I was like, okay, well, wouldn't it be cool to see how often I get that element, you know, in my draws? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be cool to see how often I get court cards? Wouldn't it be awesome to see how frequently I get every card? How about the ones that are related to the moon? How about the ones that are related to Capricorn? (laughs) This thing just started burgeoning. Uh So I have this ridiculous spreadsheet that automatically creates a tracking system for astrological, cabalistic, numerological, et cetera, elemental correspondences. And then I was like, what else could I do with this? (laughs) And I guess at some point, in that process that I started talking to Mel Moline about this podcast, Fortune's mm-hmm. Wheelhouse, I thought, you know, couldn't we just, couldn't somebody go card by card and just unpack every single symbol in every single card and tell us all those correspondences, where they come from, et cetera. How hard could that be? <laughs> <laughs> and what card are you on right now? <laughs> we just recorded the Ace of Pentacles. So we're on the last suit. We're going to be done wow. in mid-January, if you can believe that. So, wow. you know, so that started in mid-2016. And one of the things that kept happening when I was doing that podcast was that we'd be going to the books for every single podcast. We'd be prepping for a couple of days mm-hmm. and going through magic books and astrology books and rulership books and Kabbalah books And I was like, screw it. This is a pain in the ass. What if I could get it into all one book? How hard could that be? (laughs) (laughs) Well, clearly it wasn't that hard, but I'm certain that it took you enough time. I mean, I know I appreciate it all being in one place. It was sort of like I was starting to make the charts anyway, because it was getting to be such a pain to look everything up. So I had already pretty decent size library of correspondence charts, but and you don't want to Google that shit every single time. (laughs) So I said, okay, so I would like to pull this together. It's really not that hard. It's all just sort of out there anyway. Let's just put it all in one place and see if somebody wants to 
publish it. Yeah. So, and you can't just do that. You have to sort of like tell people how to use them or why they matter at all, because mm. who cares, right? They're just like charts. So I decided I'd write a guide on how to use them. And that's ended up in the middle of the book. That's like a third of the book. So then I contacted our dear Barbara Moore, mm-hmm. whom everybody loves, you know, who yes. has written so many wonderful books and been involved in so many wonderful decks. She is an acquiring editor part of the time for Llewellyn. Hmm. I didn't know her from Adam, but I said, I'll email her. How hard could it be? <laughs> so yeah, I emailed her and she was like, uh, yeah, sure. That sounds great. So yeah, she gave me a chance. And about it took me about a year to pull it together. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So. And Llewellyn's great to work with. I mean, I know, Jamie, you've done work with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just, um, so it's been a good process. I love it. So readers, I know Susie says the first third, but I think it's more like the first half of the actual pages are a bunch of charts and they're broken down first off by type. So you have astrology, you have Kabbalah, you have the elements and you have a bunch of other themes. And like you said, the middle of the book is kind of a explanatory type text that says, here's how you can use these different systems in with your readings. And then the last portion of it has a couple of more charts based off card by card. And my big question is, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I know that I kind of flip through some of the charts because when you're doing a interview slash review of stuff, you can't, as much as I love to read the oh, entire yeah. book, sometimes you, you would need- go, this is a using book, not a reading book, right? Yes. yes. So that brings me to the question, how do you envision readers using the material in your book? I know that you have some chapters in there and they have some good material, but how do you envision everybody out there using this book? Well, I envision people using it interpretively most. So let me give you an example of a practice that I do with my card of the day every single day. I write a spell based on my card of the day. And there's actually some instructions on how to do that in the middle section of the book. But every day I write the spell based on the two cards that I draw and I base it on the correspondences. So I'm going into the book and I'm saying, okay, so if it's a card that's related to Venus, right? Say like the, I don't know, the two of cups. I'm going to go in the book and I'm going to look up the two of cups and I'm going to look up all the Venus references. I'm going to figure out ways that I can incorporate those correspondences into the spell because I mostly work with words. But if you do magic, you also would go straight to the back of the book and start pulling correspondences and assembling your ritual or your Mm -hmm. spell or whatever it is. So that's in terms of practical use every single day. But the other thing that Long term, I think of this book as being for is for helping people fill out their tarot worldview. Okay, so I have this requires a little bit of explanation. So I think one of the great difficulties people have in learning tarot is that they think they have to memorize, mm-hmm. right? You're, uh, reading the little white book, you're trying to load it up here, you're using that part of your brain to try and spit stuff out by rote. It doesn't really work, right? No. So my idea is that instead of starting there, you look around you at your life, at everything that's going on, and you say, okay, what's that in tarot? What's that in tarot? What's that in tarot? You know, 
You go to your friend's wedding. What's that in tarot? Four of wands, two of cups, right? You hear about war in another country. And what's that look like? The tower. You know, so you, you go through and you match up things you already know about to each card. Now, the problem is that every tarot deck only gives you a slice mm-hmm. on each card, right? Yeah. But it really So how do you bridge the distance between every single thing in life and that card? And that is the work of a lifetime. So what I believe is that the correspondences provide a web that ties the world together, that allows you to pull in ideas from everywhere and pour them into each card. So, for example, before I talk to you guys, the last thing I did was I went to the dump. I dropped off the week's garbage and recycling Mm -hmm. and... Uh, and I poked around there a little bit because they have a take it or leave it, that kind of thing. So what card is that, right? Do we have a garbage card? No. <laughs> well. Yeah, no, uh, as she's asking that question, Rose and I are kind of like, hmm, going through the index of all the cards. What would be the good garbage card? <laughs> really, it's true. I'm thinking, and it could be the hermit or even um, because my thought is because he's scouring the what's below him because we can't see what he's standing mm-hmm. on top of yeah. he could be at the dump looking at the take it or leave it pile because he's got the light and i remember being a kid and when we because we used to go to the dump and you know you'd go getting to climb all over stuff while your dad or mom did whatever they did they don't let you do that anymore guys <laughs> <laughs> Again, like, not even if you've had all your shots <laughs> nope. But the point is, is that you could go explore and, and uh, go watch Fat Albert. It's a, I know, don't worry about who yes. made it, but go watch that comic. And the kids hung out in their local space and they were able to explore and that. So that's what made me think of that. But mm-hmm. you're, and you're exploring. But anyway, that, so, okay. so we'll say the hermit. Okay. So for me, going to the dump is associated with either the seven of cups or the death card. Oh, and this is true for me on several levels. So mm-hmm. the death card in general for me is cleaning, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> which I don't very often do. This is partly just because I received it many, many Saturdays in a row where I'm just cleaning. And sometimes the cards just tell you what they're about. So me, death, vacuuming. That's just what it is. So and death happens to be associated with Scorpio, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. Scorpio is this card of death and transformation and getting rid of things and bringing things in. Mm-hmm. And then the Seven of Cups is really special to me mm-hmm. because it's associated, again, with Scorpio because it's associated with the third decan of Scorpio, which we're actually going to be coming up on, you know, in November. So mm-hmm. it's that part of the year and it's ruled by Venus and it's the part of Venus that isn't pretty and beautiful and lovely and connecting. It's the part where she is dark and gothic and interesting and weird. Mm-hmm. And, and she transforms like rotting, terrible things into something that is queerly, compellingly beautiful and mm-hmm. haunting. Right? right. Yeah. So, yeah. And so the seven of cups is associated for me with lots of different things. So in hermetic tradition, it's called the Lord of Debauch. So like when you have too much to drink and you have a hangover, that's a Seven of Cups, thing, mm. right? It's the card of altered visions. Like if you've ever seen Patrick Valenza's Deviant Moon Tarot, there's an artist painting something only in his mind on that canvas. So I think of it as the card of the artist. Mm-hmm. And I consider it to be the card of anything that's transformed from 
decaying and rotten to being renewed into something new and beautiful, Mm -hmm. whether that's compost or garbage or recycling or mushrooms or fungi, you know, it's bacteria. All those things to me are bound up in that card. And so that's something I probably would never have arrived at without the correspondences, but Mm -hmm. it goes deep for me now. So that's like my lifelong pursuit is to Mm -hmm. better understand the correspondences so I can better use tarot. Mm -hmm. And that's what the book should hopefully help people do. I love it. I was going to say that for me, the tens are that garbage collector only because I look at at least the miners from ace to 10 as a project. Ace is kind of the beginning that seed to completion. And what are you done when you're completing? You reset, you start over and you clear the way for the new stuff. So that's what I would have thought. But I love, I love that you deepen your ability to make these other connections using the correspondences and the spreadsheets and all the data mining and data gathering that you do. While reading your book, it sounded like you use mostly the correspondences for personal readings, not necessarily for readings that you might give for others. If that's what well, you, know, well, you do. do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it so really, it really depends on how the person, what I know about the person. So a lot of the time someone will come to me and they'll instantly talk about their interest in astrology. So then I'll talk astro to them. When someone's astro literate, I will bring in those correspondences. But most of the time, the correspondences are happening in my head and then I translate them into a language that the person can understand. So for example, like if somebody draws the empress, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, well, the empress is associated with Hebrew letter Daleth, which means door, because that would be really obnoxious and everyone would hate me and no one would come back and read with me or pay me. So what I do instead is I say, this card represents a door for you into X, Y, or Z, right? Mm -hmm. So the correspondences operate at this level of metaphor that we use without even really thinking about it, right? Sometimes it's a deliberate process of translating from all of those symbols and images into into the reading, but sometimes it's just there, right? Because you've all had the experience of your reading and you're like an oracle. You have no idea what shit is coming through your mouth, right? Sometimes, (laughs) yeah. And you don't remember either. So, you know, it's just there if you trust it. So then I guess the question next would be, well, what, what are your favorite types of readings to give? I like love readings. <laughs> I'm a big Yay. sap. And by love readings, I also mean hate readings and divorce readings. I mean, I mean, relationship readings. Yes. I think they're interesting. I think that they're necessary because nobody can do that shit for themselves. And I think that you can really help. Yeah. It matters a lot. People are really invested and you can really help. So I really enjoy that. And I also like readings where people come and they're like, well, just tell me about tarot because I don't know anything and I'm curious because I love just bringing people in. And getting them all started. That's wonderful. Yeah, like popping their tarot cherries, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, corrupting the youth. <laughs> so as we've been talking and as we were talking a little bit pre-show, you mentioned that you do a lot of rituals and other things with the cards that might not necessarily be greetings. And then in the book, you also mentioned that you're not pagan or witchy. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit of how you got started in the rituals and how you use them in your practice? Yeah, absolutely. The only reason I don't say that I'm pagan or witchy is because I don't feel I've earned the term. Um, Ah. 
magic is new for me relatively. It started with this book because you cannot get involved in the correspondences without being involved in magic. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like once you're neck deep in Agrippa and the Picatrix and the correspondences, you're basically saturated in magic, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. So, and also I've been listening to some of the smartest practitioners I know sort of walk that line between astrology and magic. And I find that very inspiring. So as I was sort of pulling this this book together, I found myself getting more and more sucked in. And today, my practice essentially is a planetary practice based on the seven traditional planets. I'm up at the first hour of the day at sunrise talking to the planets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's basically I have a sort of combined ancestor and planet practice. And I talk to the planets in Greek. Mm -hmm. I use the Orphic hymns, which a lot of practitioners do. But because I studied Greek, it's sort of my background is in classics. I decided it was important for me to have those loaded up. So I do those and I freak out my family a little bit every day. <laughs> and and then every once in a while, I will do a proper ritual to work with one of the planets that I feel I need to pay more attention to for one reason or another. So that's basically what I do. But I also believe that I offer a lot of general tarot magic spells in the book Mm. as well, Mm -hmm. because I believe that magic is essential. Mm. I think it's sort of like divination is only one side of the coin, magic is the other. And if as long as we're going into that place, wherever it is, you want to call it the astral plane or the backstage of reality or whatever it is, as long as we're going there to get information why not do something too? Why mm. not make things better? So that part of my practice has really come out of reading for people because I don't like people feeling fatalistic, and which is almost a occupational hazard in tarot reading, right? People come to yeah. you because they feel out of control mm-hmm. and they want to know why. And my job, I feel, is not only to make them feel a little bit more certainty by doing whatever predictive work I do, but also to help them get back a little bit of that control. Right. And that's where magic comes in. Yeah, I agree. So then I would say, because this is a debate that I've been watching happen recently, is it sounds like you're a pagan, but that doesn't <laughs> necessarily mean that you consider yourself a witch or a Wiccan or any of those things, but you are definitely pagan because you're not following the standard mono theistic whatever could be right could be I, i'm happy to be called a pagan i think ultimately if i'm going to get a label at all i'll probably be called an animist okay because i do believe in the living spirit of all things and the anima mundi so yeah i love it and i love for somebody like me i see myself as more of a tarot witch where i do use the cards for magic for ritual etc cetera, etc cetera. and your book We've been saying it's so perfect for that because you've gathered many, many, many resources across different uh, traditions even, not necessarily just sticking with the Golden Dawn or the Thoth deck, Aleister Crowley's methodology. There's a bunch of stuff in there that I didn't know existed. And I think it's beautiful because when you do tarot magic, you can pull the different plant bases or colors or other things. And some of these colors are ones that I didn't think about either. Everybody kind of develops their own system or whatnot. But I love that you have a couple of varying color systems in the book. So you're giving readers and practitioners a new way to connect to tarot and the magic by using brand new resources and sources to draw from. 
I think that's my hope that everyone sort of takes it in their own direction because the Golden Dawn correspondences, which this book is based on, I use them because they are what's hidden in every Rider Waite Smith and following tarot deck, right? right? So whether people realize it or not, that's what they're drawing on. And it's also in sort of behind the entire system of Western magic as we know it, Correct. whether or not people realize it. So a lot of people have trouble with Golden Dawn, but I figured we all use it. Let's speak a language we all understand. Exactly. And if you start with the diacal, numerological, cabalistic, elemental correspondences, you can take that in a million different directions. And you can go back in time because the planetary correspondences just go as far back as you want. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, talking about Agrippa, you can find any gemstone, any perfume. So my aim is just to help people have a springboard for doing that. And you can go deeper than this book, but this will get you started in pretty much any direction you want. And now I'm just like, it's time to end this podcast so that I can go read this book. (laughs) In depth. Yes. So what is next for you, Susie? You've just finished a book, but (laughs) yeah, is that enough? Yeah, you created your third brilliant pattern for the deck lovers. So yeah, well, what is next? The next thing is actually underway already. The book has a little sister, which is my online tarot class, which I literally launched the same week the book came out. I didn't really realize I was doing it. I kept very quiet about it, which made it sort of unreal because mm-hmm. I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself, but I really wanted to get this out. So I've been sort of teaching tarot in person off and on for years, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to put something together that pulled all the strings and could be used by anybody, not just some person who's like super nerd like me who likes memorizing shit, you know, (laughs) and tables and things like that. I wanted people to start reading their lives the way we were talking about earlier. I want people to know what it is when they go to the dump in tarot. (laughs) So I designed a course around that. It's really great. It's a module-based course on Google Classroom, so it can be used by anybody, Mm -hmm. anytime, anywhere in the world, any system. It is self-directed in terms of time. So it's not like you have to launch it on a particular date. You can do it whenever you like. Mm -hmm. And I am involved to the degree that there are eight modules and I give feedback on final assignments for all of them. There are lectures, there are worksheets. It's this massive thing. So that's available now. And you can find out about it at tsusanchang.com slash class. And I launched it in beta first. And the response was like ridiculous. There's already like 40 people on there. Mm-hmm. There's no limit to how many people can do it. There's a social component. So I really felt that that was something that needed to be done. There are courses out there, but I felt There needed to be one that kind of allowed people to talk to each other Mm -hmm. as well as do it at their own pace and really cover this sort of way of looking at tarot as your whole life, as a language of your whole life. Mm -hmm. So that's what it is. It starts out with a really intensive card of the day practice because I feel that that's foundational. And then we work on developing our own web of meaning and correspondences, not necessarily the Golden Dawns, but our own. Mm -hmm. And then I talk about the beliefs underlying tarot, who you're talking to when you say, what should I do? Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. I talk about rituals, ethos, Mm -hmm. magic, Mm -hmm. all of those things. And it's meant to be a comprehensive introduction that people can do in eight to 12 weeks. 
I tried to give a lot of information on the class page so that people really know whether it's for them. There's the introductory lectures there. The syllabus is there. It's all available. Yeah. Wow. So what will we be seeing you at Newt's 2019? Yes, thank you. I'm so excited. I have never been to Newt's. I am super psyched. I'm going to be teaching a workshop on how to write spells and magic using your tarot deck. I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably Reader's Studio, too, but I usually go as a vendor to Reader's Studio. So, so I'll then be there we'll be too. able to pick up your tarot deck boxes. Got it. Exactly. And of course, you get our book signed. That's right. The book yes. will be there for sure. Yeah. And then you've got your podcast. The podcast is continuing even after we get to episode 77. 77 because we started on zero, right? For okay. the pool. Finnit will be wrapping up the card by card on, I forget, like third week of January, something like that. But we'd like to continue in some form and we haven't quite decided what yet. Mm-hmm. So what I tell people is that if they want to sort of know what's going on with the podcast, they should go to our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And we also have a social component in the fortunes wheelhouse Academy group, which was started by some fans. It's now like 300 members that's on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You can just look that up. And it's a really lively group of people who all use the correspondences, who write spells, who are really into all this stuff. (laughs) So if you're looking for the nerds, that's where they are. (laughs) (laughs) As well as on tarot nerds, nerds, of course. I was going to say, not just on tarot nerds, but... (laughs) This is a subsection of tarot nerds, in a sense. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. In the spring, I teach, so everything kind of goes fallow for a little while, but then there will probably be something else. I know I want to do another book at some point. I just haven't decided what. No, no. What this just told me is that I need to go back to college and go to Smith and uh, go take a course from you. Oh, yeah. The other thing is that the Smith course I teach is a crypto magic course. It's called Writing About the Senses. And I teach these girls 18 to 22 all about writing about the senses. But what they're doing is magic and they don't even realize it. So I really love that about that course. Yeah. That's <laughs> brilliant. Amazing. And is it available online so that we can join in? It's not available. Uh, on- oh, and I forgot. There's another thing that I should probably mention, which is Zodiac perfumes. Oh, right. Yeah, yes. that's the thing that came out of the correspondences book as well. I started making sign-appropriate Zodiac perfumes. They're now available in custom. So if you want your sun, moon, and rising blended, that can be done as well. So it's good fun. And Christmas <laughs> is coming, folks. Christmas yes. Is coming. Or Yule. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Yule is coming. All the holidays are coming. This is true. <laughs> it is the season of giving. So now right. you know where to get to give. <laughs> oh, now we know what to give Rose and maybe me. No. <laughs> Yeah. All the things. It's so much fun to figure out. Even when you know someone well, when you know all three, Sun, Moon, and Rising, and then you try to design a custom blend for them, oh, it's so much fun. It's oh really great. Goodness, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking some time and chatting with us and sharing all of the amazing that is you. <laughs> thank yes. you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, it's been a delight. Yes, definitely. And thank you, Jamie. I just wanted to say I can't wait to see you guys in the spring. Most definitely. We will get to see you twice. We'll get to see you in Portland and we'll get to see you in New York. That's right. And you all lovely listeners can do this as well. Newt still has space if you would like to attend. I would love to say Reader Studio does too, but they don't. They sold sold out. out. They sold out. So you got to jump on that train real fast. But you can go to... Newt's being the Northwest Tarot Symposium site, they're getting ready to post about their full schedule, and Susan is on it. So is Jamie, and 
ironically enough, so am I. We'll all be doing some interesting things. Let's hope we're not doing it all at the same time. Because I would love to attend Susie's class, and I know I would love to attend Jamie's class. Um, And hopefully you all will get a chance to not only interact with everyone, but you'll get to meet some other favorites as well. Thank you again, Jamie, for taking some time out from your day to come chat with us as well, because I know you are busy getting ready to promote your book. Oh, yes. So all of the things are happening. Thank you, listeners, and we look forward to hearing from you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Tarot Visions, a podcast for the modern oracle. To keep the conversation going, please find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions US or follow us on Twitter at tarot underscore visions.